0: attention attention please the camp ojibla history podcast is on the air welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week on the podcast, Stu Nitskin. That's right, boys and girls, it's time for Stu to get his due. It is also a very big week for Stu Nitzkin, as some of you know, he's having a birthday this week. I will not embarrass him by mentioning what number this one is, but it ends in zero. Stu and I had an awesome conversation. In fact, it's so jam-packed with great stuff, it's a two-parter. So you'll hear the first part today, part two will go up later this week, the History Podcast National Tour continues. I am currently coming to you from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Heading over to camp tomorrow. Get a little taste of what snow camp is like. And then off toward the East Coast. More interviews coming. More guys coming out of the woodwork. It's amazing. But enough about me. Let's get down to it. Here we go. Stu Nitskin. On the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Okay. First and foremost, for the record, please state your name and years at camp.
1: Stuart Netskin, uh, fifteen years at camp. Still current.
0: What years were those, Stuart Nitskin? Uh
1: 1986 to 1998, with a year off in there. And then 2013 to 2015. Excellent. So how do you first hear about Camp Ojibwa? I first heard about Camp Ojibwa probably when I was, you know, the first time I really remember hearing it, I was probably about five years old. My dad, when my dad was a camper and counselor at Camp Ojibwa, and one of the things when he married my mom is he said, the third Wednesday in July, every year for the rest of my life, I'm out of here. <laughs> and my mom was like, what does that mean? And he's like, me and my group of friends go back to Camp Ojibwa, where we went to camp, and it's not negotiable, and I'll never miss it for anything. Wow. And... uh <laughs> My, my mom told me that story after my dad passed that they actually had that conversation. And my dad had uh, a daughter from a previous marriage who was living with her mom but would come visit them over the summers. Mm. And my mom used to say she would get to town and then he would leave. <laughs> and, you know, it was fine, but it was like you don't see your daughter that much. Right. Maybe you want to stay home. And he's like, <laughs> nope, can't do it. Got to get to camp. <laughs> so I heard about it from an early age. I knew it when he left. Um, and then it wasn't until I was nine years old that he had Al and Mickey come over to the house. Nice. And I remember them very vividly being in my dining room, showing me the slideshow. And, um, but, but it was interesting. They, they probably spent about an hour, just them hanging out, talking. Oh, that's And incredible. it was like, Stu, yeah. come in here. You got to see the slideshow. <laughs> it was like a real quick boom, boom, boom. My dad's. <laughs> telling things and then they continued to talk for a while and it was like nice to meet you and but for whatever reason I I I don't know if they came like close to the summer and then it was just my dad didn't want to pull the trigger that quickly Mm. I can't remember I know that I didn't really I never had a say so for some whatever reason I didn't go that summer ah or or maybe it was right after that summer but it was right when the transition of ownership took place Mm. And so my first summer at camp was Denny's first summer as the director. Gotcha. So interestingly, Alan and Mickey do the camp call. So Denny's never done a camp call for me.
0: <laughs> but
1: I've never been at camp with Alan Mickey. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, so you didn't really have a choice. I mean, you weren't. No. You didn't my, see any other uh, camps or anything.
1: My dad was like, this place is amazing. You'll get on the bus. You'll make friends on the bus. And you're going to have an incredible time. I know, you know, I, I was a sports kid and played a lot of sports. And um, it was funny. I, I had been, I remember this also very vividly. I, I played travel soccer and so I was a huge soccer junkie. That's pretty much all I played at that age. I played on like three different teams. And uh, I was playing in a travel game against w- Will Met Winnetka, the Trevians, which is a big rival. I was in Glenview and they were kind of our rival at the time. Sure. And I was probably the the cap, not the kid. We didn't have captains. Of that it was one of the better players on our team, and we kind of went head to head against this team that we lost. I think we lost like two to one or one nothing close game. And the stud of their team, we just kind of had this mutual respect for each other. And I left that soccer game, which was in Glenview, and my dad's like, "We have to go to this new camper party in Highland Park at Denny's house." And it was they used to be in Denny's backyard, sure. And he would have David there and some of the staff. And I went there, and I'm in full uniform and the best player on the other team, was there too. <laughs> so we obviously hit it off. That's awesome. We sat next to each other on the bus. We were in the same cabin going throughout. So we were – David Sandman was his name. I was going to say, does he remain nameless? Oh, yeah, no, David Sandman. And I That's still awesome. you know communicate with Facebook with him. and That's very cool. He went all the way through 14. and uh, But that, that was it. But other than that, I remember sitting in the front seat of the bus on the way up with this one kid that I kind of knew. <laughs> having no clue where I was going or really have any concept of how long it was. Sure. And uh, getting to camp and, you know, it was, uh, I look back now, it was a really interesting time because it was Denny's first year of director and there was a lot of turnover that year. Right. And I didn't know that, you know, you come into camp. So there were empty cabins. Cabin six was the, the camper's lodge. <laughs> it had a foosball table. I think it had a couple of old Apple computers that no one used. Sure. I, uh, I've seen pictures, but I've never heard him, yeah. anyone actually call it that until yesterday. And I was the, like, oh, <laughs> the
0: camper's That lot. was
1: cabin six. <laughs> so I, I got, I mean, until I was maybe in 13, no one ever lived in cabin six. Oh, wow. It was just vacant. And I remember even uh, second session my first year. Not second session, second four weeks, because mm-hmm. at that time you could, you couldn't. Re- there was no four week sessions, but if you were a first year camper, you could just go four weeks.
0: Gotcha, like a trial run for the first years.
1: Sure, and I'm sure Denny made all kinds of, you know, he's just trying to get kids there. Sure. So I just remember the kids in cabin two moved into our cabin second four, and there was no cabin two, which is empty. Oh, wow. And uh, but I mean, first four, I had seven kids in my cabin. <laughs> You know, seven kids and three staff and that was cabin three. Wow. Um, in nineteen eighty six. And, you know, you're at single beds, you got a lot of space. And um I remember being I remember really enjoying it and enjoying the sports once you got into it. And I remember being real homesick the first four. I was gonna it, say, were you a homesick kid? Or? For sure. But not not like um not like a lot of the home kid homesick kids you see now that like seek you out and want to talk to you about it. I was a very introverted kind mm. of kid that way and kind of kept my feelings to myself, maybe maybe wrote a sad letter. Sure. And for whatever reason, like, I even broke down when my parents came. You know, they took me out of camp, and I just remember telling them, like, I was really excited to tell them everything we had done, but I was still sad. But after that weekend, after they were there, after that day, because back then it was the day, basically. it was just the one day. It was just Saturday. It was like, I don't even know what happened. I don't know if it was seeing my dad up there, or I don't know what it was, but from that point forward, I loved it. Like I was, I never turned back. That's awesome. Never thought twice about it. Nice. Yeah. Uh,
0: so that first year, uh, what are the things that stick out? What sports did you really dig? I mean, did you play, did they play soccer at that point? Yeah. So oh, It was yeah. a
1: regular sport. We played soccer, but I had never, you know, I didn't play little league. So playing 12 inch was so much fun for me. Mm. Um, I had never played any, really, I didn't know floor hockey. Sure. I mean, you know, it's a little different now than it was back then, but back then at that age, you, know, you either played little league or you played soccer, really. I mean, even organized gotcha. basketball was like a year later gotcha. or two later that you could do that at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, not a lot, but I loved it. And I loved being part of a team and I loved competing. And I, I mean, you always, I feel like when you're young, you remember like the older athletes at camp. The campers seem like they're so much older than you and sure, they're like of legends. So, <laughs> Who and there were some guys? really good athletes. I mean, John Michelon was the one one that year, and he was just like this larger than life figure. Yeah, and I mean, he was he was dominant.
0: His athletic skills are incredible. You know, he used to uh, write his order for Braywood on a 16 inch and then hit it across the lake, <laughs> and they would prepare the order. I've, so I've heard those it. stories. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh, it felt like that. <laughs> you know, he was this big guy, and uh, he was a dominant for his age group. You know. It, Again, it was a thinned out camp, but he was still a great athlete. Sure. Um, so I remember watching a lot of that. I remember watching a lot of watermelon watermelon uh softball games when the junior counselors played. Mm.
0: Oh, that so was that really was still cool. going on then. The junior counselors oh, yeah. still played then. Do you Yeah. So you're probably there when it I assume when it transitions. Do you know when that sort of stops?
1: It was like 87, 88. Gotcha. It sort of transitioned away from that. And I don't know what the fallback was, I was still, I wasn't in the mix of that. Sure. Of so course. I didn't hear the rumblings. I'm sure there was a lot of drama. Oh, certainly. I'm sure it was like an Elliot idea and there was a lot of drama. <laughs> like, this
0: is, no, this won't stand. But like all change at camp, you know, you change it once and then they go, oh, we didn't always do it this way? Right. I thought we did.
1: It's amazing. There's like weeks of griping and like controversy and drama. And I think it's just because people like to talk about it. That's it. And then after that, it's like, oh, great idea.
0: <laughs> let's, get, let's keep it going.
1: <laughs> What, are you changing the field hockey rules for the week? What are you talking
0: <laughs> about? Oh, oh, that works great. That's awesome. Thanks.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't realize my first couple of years that some of the things that Denny did to kind of be creative and different were not historically things that were done. Like oh, sure. backwards day and crazy hat day. And <laughs> I really remember those things. And you just think that's part of the tradition if you don't know any differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's interesting sort of looking at camp in a long form way, the way that tradition and also quote-unquote tradition, is established at camp. Like, there really are. There are some things that, you know, once you do them once, that's it. We've always done that. And guys who come along three years later will go, oh, yeah, we did that forever. That was always the thing. But it wasn't. And so sort of seeing, like, how much camp, given that, given that that's a truth, then also seeing how little camp has actually changed in the big picture. It's fantastic because it is. It means Great. that it just all kind of blurs together, and it's all this one beautiful thing.
1: Yes, as yeah. I say, as much as things change, things stay the same up there. That's it. You know, it's like a little bit of a time warp. Even though there's new traditions that are tweaks on old ones, or uh, you know, even the old ones that have been tweaked. So I, it's you know, it's it's that's part of the beauty of it. Yeah. It's part of the cool part about it, for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, That early on, then, when you're a young camper, what
1: are the other things, the non-sports things that appeal to you? Um, I, I, you know, as a young kid, the arts and crafts. I was in their arts and crafts, and I remember my dad telling me, like, very popular back in his day. Mm. You know, they did a lot of lanyards and stuff like that. And I remember being in the old arts and crafts room a lot. I remember doing the radio show. Nice. We we had radio. It was pretty. You know, I would say eighty-six through like ninety was pretty. The heyday for the WCF. Yeah. The previous heyday. The previous heyday. The new heyday is upon (laughs) us, my friends. The new uh, heyday is upon us. You know, it's, uh, I can, uh, you know, obviously you can look back now, but I was was a horrible sport as a kid. Ah. I was just, uh, I was really good at soccer. And if I made a mistake at soccer, I would like throw a tantrum. If we lost, I would throw a tantrum. I was like, it didn't take much to set me off. Mm. Really bad temper, poor sport. And I specifically remember being at camp and camp changing that around for me. Hmm. Teaching me that you, like, that's not cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's just not, first of all, there's no time for it. And no one else is doing it. Right. And, you know, I think camp is the first time when you start to do things athletically with kids. Even if you're a great athlete, you're starting to do things athletically with kids that might be as close to your level or... Hmm. Even better than you, and you start to appreciate that you know being a part of a team is more important than you know your your if you scored a goal or you know if you played well it's yeah it was a bigger picture than that and I I really remember I think it's one of the things that's made me love camp so much is that it's like a light went off mm. you know as a kid when you're growing up and you're learning things and learning how to behave and how to act and you're maturing. For whatever reason, in those early years for me at camp, the light went off and it it, it changed who I was. It helped mold who I was. And awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's really that beginning of the independence. though. yeah. It, it
1: it makes it really brings that home
0: because there's no one gives a shit if you're crying. Right. <laughs> Get over yourself. Well, you it's go. you know, yeah.
1: it's not it's not like malicious, but it's right. like, hey, it's okay. You're gonna have seventeen hundred other plays <laughs> <Yeah>. this summer <laughs> right. that. Right. <laughs> Let's keep moving. Go get them in the next 53. Games. And uh, I just uh, the cleanup part to me really like that has stuck with me now from camp. Yeah. Before camp, I could care less about that, and now you know I line up my shoes in my closet the way I you know like <laughs> you know I fold my stuff the way I learned how to fold it at camp. That's awesome. You know I, I make my bed like that stuff's important to me. Nice. And it's because of camp, and I think that's that's a really cool part about it also
0: yeah for sure in those early transition years were did the cleanup did cleanup continue to be competition or was it sort of backing off a little bit
1: no it was still pretty aggressive it was uh you got graded on cleanup and not only that but it wasn't a guarantee there was no cookie and milk guarantee right basically if you did well in cleanup it gave you the right to ask for cookies and milk when denny came around (laughs) <laughs> and so you knew not to even ask unless you got a 9 or a 10. I see. That just lays the baseline. Yes. And then whatever else you did. 9 or 10, day. yay, we might get a treat. Gotcha. And, but you still, if, if Denny came around and your cabin was a mess by night, even if you got a 9 or 10, it was sorry. Wow. Or it was clean the cabin right now and then you can go get it. And then so I remember sometimes we'd get an aid, and we'd you know we'd try to negotiate. <laughs> we'd been great all day. we were amazing at the waterfront, sure uh, you know we we did a cabin activity together, we all went tarts and cra like something like that. But, <laughs> come on,' Because it wasn't something you got every day as a given, yeah, it was kind of
0: it's a big deal. and was it, and even then was it milk and cookies, or was it uh, like leftovers from the kitchen?
1: It was milk and cookies. Gotcha. It was milk and cookies. Usually a variety of different cookies. Is
0: and Otto still there?
1: Otto is For still you? there. Early uh, the first couple of years, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. I was a big bow tie fan. Hopefully, big we're, elephant ear guy.
0: Hopefully, we're bringing him back.
1: I know that'd be amazing. Uh,
0: when I talked to Kaufman, he apparently his family baking was a their family business or whatever. So oh, yeah. I guess he got some of the recipes from Billy because he, he thinks he can break them down and make them like more reasonable to make in your house as opposed oh, really? to 500 at a time. Yeah. So he's apparently working on that. Oh, that's cool. So keep your ears peeled, your elephant ears peeled
1: for that. It, that should go along. I, I was talking to uh, Darren Annixter the other day and we had, he had a great idea of doing a retro day.
0: Oh, I love this.
1: You know, Denny's been talking about bringing back some kind of form of dipper shower. <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned that to Darren. And uh, he said, we should have a retro day where it's dipper shower. It's, um, you know, JC's play with watermelon softball. Mm. You have instruction in the morning for everybody. Sure. You know, you do things. Every you have meal's weighted. Every meal's weighted. He said that too. You know, you you bring back some of those things. That'd that would be incredible. I think it'd be pretty cool. I think, and it'd be cool to serve bow ties at Absolutely. one of those meals for a dessert. That'd be pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. History project day. Yeah, wow. History
0: Project Day at Camp Ojibla. Nailed it. We'll even do shirts. Be incredible. Oh, I'm going to write this down. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So, so yeah, so uh, outside of the, um, what else outside of sports? Were you a stage guy? Were you a singer?
1: No, I was in the chorus a couple years. Um, Not sure why. Might have just been (laughs) a couple down years, but... I I enjoyed the jubilees. I enjoyed being a part of it. I enjoyed uh, you know performing up there and knowing my parents were out in the crowd. There's something about that that you don't get that opportunity. Yeah. Especially as you get into those teen years, if you're not into that, that is kind of cool. Yeah. And then later on as a staff man, I did the hand routine for a few a bunch of years in a row. Nice. Probably almost every year I was on staff, I did the hand routine. Wow. A lot. Very nice. Ellie, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a great, we had a good, like a similar crew for a few years gotcha. that did it. And, you know, we'd sub in one or two people, but I have a bunch of pictures of our crews from that.
0: Nice. You overlap with Salzy a little bit at toward the end there? Yeah.
1: so He's younger. Because I, I know he but did yeah. a few in a row too. Yeah, for Americans. sure. I think I probably did one with Salzy nice. or two. So you get to that, you have that first year. Uh, do you remember any of your staff? Oh yeah, I could tell you all my staff from every cabin from every year. (laughs) I had a time once when I can still kind of do is I could tell you, this was up until like I was there was like in the mid '90s, but I could tell you every single Collegiate Week winner and what the plaque looked like. Now I know there are some other people throughout history that have a lot of detail and like can remember coaches of, which is incredible. But as a young kid, I remember. I could sit at, you know, the table and be like, throw one out at me, test me, you know, was, you know 67 Wisconsin, the Mooseheads Like I could throw out stuff like that. That's awesome. I remember a lot of that stuff. So I had uh, my first counselor ever was Moshe Levy. Nice. And he was, you know, he was the 1-1 one, in one, 83 and I, but I wasn't there, so I didn't know him. He was just my senior counselor, but he was sure. a big guy and he was clearly well liked. I mean, he was a, sort of a legendary figure of kind of the early 80s. And uh, he was awesome. I mean, I've had—I say this all the time now in my present role because I lived it—is that the counselors are the most important part to making sure camp is successful. And we talk about that all the time. It's because I think back to my camp days, and I have such fond memories of my counselors and what kind of role they played in my life. And still to this day, I mean, I see some of these guys that were my counselors, and I'm friends with them now, and I hang out with them, and I confide in them, and they're my brothers and they're, they're like family to me. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, back then you don't realize that cause you're 12 years old and they're <laughs> 20 years old, but they might as well be 60. Right. Absolutely. And so a guy like Moish Levy, someone I remember well, I remember Scott Meravitz, my second year was my, one of my counselors. Uh, he was awesome. I had Adam Stein as my junior counselor with Jeff Sidon in my third year. And I always, I like to sleep L one, and okay. when I got into cabin 10, we started kind of introducing bunk beds. Mm. So when we started introducing bunk beds at camp, it was just like L1 and R1 were bunk beds and the rest were not. Okay. That's reasonable. So yeah. I liked being top bunk L1 and the counselors, there was no bunk beds in the counselor's porch. They were all low and there was usually four of them, sometimes three. Mm. So they keep that window open. So I can kind of look down and I was like on the porch. you like basically. hanging out. It was like that. That's cool. So I got, if you were the counselors on that side, I was really tight with them. Nice. All throughout. So that, you know, I had Adam Stein and Jeff side. And then when I was in cabin 12 was, it wasn't the best year, but it was the most pivotal year of my camp career. It's like I kind of, I was always a pretty good athlete, but I kind of became a better athlete that year, or I grew, Mm -hmm. um, my staff you know I had Mike Morgan and he's one of my closest friends today and um, he kind of took me under his wing that year and made me work out with him and he kind of had some of those crazy camp stories of you know he'd go out late and bring back a girl and wake me up and be like see the girl and it was like <laughs> some of the stuff you hear that you can't it's really difficult to pull off in today's day and age sure but of was, course Fine then, because like, was it? who was going to catch him? Right. You know, it's not like I could take out a phone and be like, oh, I saw you with her. <laughs> um, so some of those stories, like, he was just, he just left that impression on me. And Nice. And even then, you know, at Cabin 13, I had an all-star. I had Elliot, David Rosen, Miles Marks, and John Bayless. Wow. And it was, uh, back then, it was, there was no bathroom in 13. Hmm. There was all the cubes there in the bat where the bathroom was, was the counselor's porch, which had two bunks. And then there was called the big four. And the big four was the only, it was like a bigger cube. It had two cubes as one. Gotcha. And everything else was, uh, just two people. Mm. And I remember doing the draft sitting on the porch at 13, right when we got there and everyone had their bunk mate, but you did the draft and, uh, they pulled out two of our other buddies, David Sandman, David Stein, were pulled out for the big four. Nice. And instead of being with some randoms, me and my bunk, just said, we'll, we'll go with them. And you, ne- you didn't want the big four. Oh. It just, it was a big, you know, you're you were with two share. other people, you yeah. had to share, and you were right next to the counselor's porch, which traditionally, you know, means you were sleeping basically next to Elliot. right. And it was like, as much as I loved Elliot and everyone loved Elliot, he didn't necessarily want to sleep next to him. Right. And cabin 11,
0: it's cool to hang out that right.
1: close to the Cabin 13, now it's time to be a little further away. But I'll tell you, we had the most fun ever that year. <laughs> I mean, we just, we had a good group of guys that loved each other. We had all, we had, I think out of however many kids were in that game, we had probably about almost 10 that were from San Diego. Oh, wow. Big group. And Is that like the Copans and Copans and Helena and this guy, kid Eric Phillips and Tim Gorman and um, the Corey twins, Brian and David Corey were there, and uh, it was it was fun and we kind of made the Big Four. Everyone hung out there, so it kind of became the place. And nice. It was also great to kind of wake up to Reverly and Elliot was already out the door. And to hear the other three laying in bed telling about what happened the night before, because <laughs> we like were right there. Sure. And uh, occasionally they'd be like, "Stu, you hearing this?" <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, "Yeah." So I uh, awesome. got quite an education that summer as well. Nice. Now, was there a fourteen for you, or was it still thirteen? I was the very first group in cabin fourteen. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think it's because, for the first time in a long time, that group was our, our group was really big. Mm. You know, we used every room. Oh wow. Basically. And we had four to a room and we used almost every room. And uh but it was it was kind of the wild, wild west of fourteen. I mean I'm sure it... I, we had one counselor, it was Paul James. And that was that was the the year oh, well, before Elliot. Elliot stayed in Elliot 13. stayed in thirteen. Right. So we just had Paul James for like twenty five kids. <laughs> and so you can imagine Paul, you know. I I love him. He was amazing. But he was, you know, he was quiet and kind of independent and a little older. So it was kind of like, you guys are the other guys? Yeah, do what you want. <laughs> so it was a little bit of the Wild West for us. Nice. Which was fun. We we were the right group for it because we weren't out of control. Right. Um, but that was, that was fun to wow. be in 14 that year. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Cool That's experience. A, I thought now...
0: um, And maybe this isn't something to say out loud, but uh, Elliot, I I thought he only dodged fourteen for two people. I thought he dodged it for Darren and he dodged it for Brett. But is Darren Darren
1: older than you? Darren's older than me, so he would never have 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 been in in fourteen for that. Okay. How they used to do it is they had two years combined in thirteen. Right. The potential potential year. So my year in thirteen, the guys a year older than me were in thirteen with us, but there's only four of them. Oh, a I lighter see. number. Okay. So I was actually really good friends with them, which worked out great. The year before, they had 14 they had four or five guys and they had a choice. They actually lived in the back of the lodge where I live now. Oh, nice.
0: That's they a- just they offered them that cuz had never they were and trying to separate
1: it and create And then the next group they offered, they were like, "Nah, we'd like we know those guys, we're friendly with them. We'd rather just stay in 13." And that's kind of how it worked for those couple of years. Nice. And then after you, that
0: it's pretty much sets the tone, and then it's fourteen. Even though fourteen yeah. gets small again and stays kind of small for a little while until,
1: yeah, a couple more years. It I did I did skip the year in nineteen ninety. I actually would have been in thirteen twice and fourteen. Oh wow! Which is those guys that didn't skip that year did that. Yeah. So we had a group of guys that were in thirteen twice and fourteen.
0: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Really getting your money's worth. Well, I said
1: I, I was saying to some of the Fuji. guys this summer. It, it does it. it it almost impossible for it to happen now, but I think it happened more times than not. I was actually the chief of the Braves one year and the medicine man the year before. Oh, wow. Which if you think about, doesn't really, yeah, that's couldn't really happen anymore.
0: So as long as you were in 13, you could be an officer.
1: There was no 14. Right, so, so it, was it was like
0: one, I see.
1: I didn't know if like that stuff was still relegated only to the oldest guys though, potentials or whatever. You know, they had, that year they had four oldest guys. Okay. One of them was like a new kid. So, there you,
0: so go. you know, you got to have the positions.
1: Nice. So it's kind of a unique stat. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff won't happen again. No. Not the way it's set up. Not That's with awesome. 14 and 13, it's just
0: Well, speaking of the Braves, so tell me a little bit about your Braves experience as a camper and becoming a Brave and all that. It was
1: uh, I loved it. I mean, I love the whole kind of mystique about it and being a part of something it was, it was cool for me to be part of a group within this amazing group. Right. You know, you're a Brave, but you're also a member of Camp Ojibwa. Yeah. And uh, it was taken very seriously. And Had uh, your dad prepped you at all for
0: what the no, Braves... Nice. No, no. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Just go. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> um,
1: no, he didn't, and it was, uh, but it was cool. I mean, back then, I remember, I remember Denny getting us all out of bed early. I remember two things. I remember he, he got us, it was after like a town trip or something, got everyone out of bed, everyone lined, you know, in front of their cabins early. Like, you know, if wake up was at eight, this was at like seven. Oof. And he was like, here's a deal. You guys left camp, you left town a mess yesterday. So all the officers of the Braves and the Braves are going into town. You're walking through town. You're cleaning up town. And the rest of you are staying here and cleaning up campus. And he had whoever the maintenance people were sprinkle garbage all around the campus. It looked like it had snowed garbage. <laughs> and this was, you know, and this is what we did for an hour and a half at seven in the morning. Wow. And I mean, and kids went to town. They got buses and they brought <laughs> kids into town and made them walk the town. And wow. But that was like, uh, you know, things like when you were braids, like we would, when I was a Neo, we would rake the trails. Mm. and go to all the campfire sites and, like, really clean them up and uh, rake the beach and, you know, do, like, it wasn't really hazing. It was, like, you had to do chores. You had to, like, pay your dues. I I know I've heard stories of before that time when it was pretty aggressive, but it wasn't that aggressive. But it was still, like, you still had to do some things. It was work. It was work. Versus, like, hazing. It was just work.
0: In those days, did you have multiple, was it still a setup where there were multiple powwows and you might get picked at, one, two, or three, or was it basically everyone was a neophyte, and then everyone was a brave. I,
1: I the way I remember it is that um, in the in the one of the beginning powwows they called you as a neophyte, and then at the end of the summer you were a brave. Gotcha, because there was no like four week thing. Right, right. So it was like if you were twelve years old. You got your name called up in the first one. Hey, you're a neophyte brave. And then whatever they wanted you to do throughout that time until you became a brave is what you did. Oh, wow. So that And then at the, towards the end of the summer, some point, I don't, you know, it could have been week six. It could have been week seven. They said, congratulations. Now you're a brave.
0: I got you. So you, so, might, so you had
1: to, like an initiation right throughout the summer. You might be on chore duty any day of the week. Yeah. There might be, hey, no activity today, but we're going to do these. We're going to go rake the trails or. We're going to wow. go make sure there's wood at all the campfire sites or stuff like that. That's interesting.
0: So, Because I think that in the older days, it was so you had the three powwows. And you might get picked at the first or the second or the third. And that was a popularity contest, basically. But the, whenever you're picked, you are silent the rest of that night and the whole next day. That night is the sort of physical hazing. And then the whole next day is chores and on and silence. Silence and chores all day. You can only speak during games. But everything was short. But then once the de- that day was done, you were it. You're off the hook, and you were brave.
1: No, I mean with us, it was like if you were 12 years old, you were going to be a brave. You were going to be a neophyte, and then you were going to go through this process and be a brave. Gotcha. And I, I, I've, it pretty much the whole thing with like the scouts and that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's after my time. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was like that my whole time, basically. Big brother, little brother—is that all later as well? You know, I had a big brother. They did do it for the first couple of years of Denny taking over. Um, and that's what really got, you know, got me thinking about bringing it kind of back to what we have now, which I think is much more there, you know, there was chunky years where it was kind of generic, so right? You got up there a weekend, in, you get introduced to a big brother that could be a kid, two cabins higher than you. Right. <laughs> and it just wasn't the way we kind of do it now is the way I remember it where, you know, my big brother called me up before camp. I remember talking to him on the phone and being like, hey, you know, my happened to be Jesse Chris. Nice. Like, I'm Jesse Kriz, you know, however much older than me he was. He was, like, in cabin 11 or 12 when I was in cabin 3.
0: Hmm.
1: He's like, I'm your big brother. Are you excited about camp? I'll find you when you get there, and, you know, if you need anything, you let me know. And he did. And he was this big guy that, you know, in an older cabin, it was, like, such a, like, sigh of relief. Sure. to know know, this guy was looking out for me, whether he didn't know me or – didn't know if he was going to like me, but, right. and I thought that was like a really reassuring thing.
0: Yeah, Not that I sure. like
1: leaned on him a lot or, yeah. you know, went and knocked on his cabin door or anything like that. But like, to like see him cross campus and have him wave to me when you don't know anyone else. And, you that's know, that's a, big, that's a deal. big deal. Yeah. And so I think us, do, we actually do that now. And we actually take a, a step further with that. We do more activities. Yeah. And I think it 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 actually really shows and it really proves itself out. I mean, yeah. you see I mean, it. I
0: think the 14ers, they love it. They actually really were into it. Certainly this year's group anyway.
1: The, I think the last couple of years we've done it, they've been really into it. They developed some really strong bonds with the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I do have a, a handful of 14ers the last couple of years that are like, I want cabin one. I want young kids. And that's, that's like a rarity, I yeah. feel like. And now it's like, you know, there are definitely kids that want to do that, that, yeah. that like that. For sure. It doesn't hurt to have an awesome cabin one either. No. It does not <laughs> hurt to have an awesome cabin one. That's a nice but it's uh, it's something I've been showing in tours that come up to camp now. Is I'll just take them out and say, "All right, look out. Look out on the campus if they're there like during the day in activity." I'm mm-hmm. like, "You look over at that bench over there. There's a 8-year-old cabin oneer. There's a 15-year-old cabin 13er. There's a 19-year-old staff man." And they're just sitting around, comfortable with five other people, and they're just hanging out and just having a conversation or talking about who knows what. And I think that's a cool sight. Like nice. that's something, that's what makes us more unique than I think a lot of other places. For you, know, sure. you can't see that. You see a lot, a lot of other camps separate their age groups. You know, older kids mm-hmm. are going to be on that side of the camp, and the younger kids are going to be over here. And you know, at Ojibwe, everyone lives right there. Yeah, And I think that's a huge strength that we have Yeah, that makes us pretty unique. And
0: it's one of those things that, like, no one's telling them to do that. No. No one's even implying you should do that. It just is. It just – and probably always has been.
1: Yeah. I I overuse the word magical, but it is. It's like magic. It's like you put all these people in an environment of various ages, and and some of them have pretty similar backgrounds, but different backgrounds and uh, different looks and different athletic ability. And you put them in this place together, and it's like they—it's like almost instantly they're family. Yeah. And not everyone loves everyone, but there—it's all. Hey, that kid was went to a He was in cabin twelve. I didn't really know him, but if if he went through the same things I went through at camp, the excitement that I had and the fun I had, then we're on good paper. Yeah. And that's like an unspoken. Absolutely. That's just that respect. It just makes things so strong.
0: It's really amazing. I, I can tell you that uh, for me personally, the guy that I like the least of any guy I've ever known from Ojibwa, I mean the least, and it's a big drop off. Uh, if I were in a bar and he got into a bar fight, I'd jump in for him. Absolutely. Without question. No problem. Wouldn't Without even question. think twice. And I mean, he and I
1: wouldn't speak if we were sitting in the room together. Without question. But, you know, it's just one yeah. of those things. I feel that way about every single person that went to camp. If a camp guy calls me and needs something, I feel like this this like desire to want to help them in some way. Yeah, it absolutely. doesn't matter what it is. I just feel like you know what that's that guy gets what I get, and that's it. So we're the we're the same.
0: We're. Ta- I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I was talking with someone else about this with their kids. So, um, you know, you are. Now at the point where your kid is at camp, yeah, and you were a kid of someone who was at camp, and one of the things it does is, he's going to take a journey now that's going to make you two brothers, not just father son. Absolutely, that's going to put you on the same page in a way that Absolutely. you can't replicate in a, anywhere else. You know, and the same with your dad. Like you took a path that once you were done with it, you and he were brothers too.
1: Absolutely, and that is incredible. It, it and that's 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 such a great way of putting it. And I and I. Felt that happen with my dad, and I feel it happening with my son. Yeah. And it's just, it's the coolest feeling ever. Yeah. I mean, especially having a son there. Like, I I told my sister, and I told my mom before she passed, I said, I get it. Like, I understand, I can understand how much my dad loved coming up with his buddies, but then also kind of seeing me up there, what that must have felt like for him. Because I feel that now. Yeah. And it's, like, incredible. Like, my son is by far not... One of the better athletes, which is totally fine, but he just loves it, and like that is like the greatest feeling. Like yeah. he's, and he loves it because he's. And people say it all the time. He can be himself. Absolutely, he can be quiet. Absolutely, he can be goofy. He can be into. Indis- he can be intense. He can be whatever he wants to be, and he's accepted. And that is just, and it's an amazing thing to see a kid understand that. Yeah, and lo- and like, you know, really thrive in that kind of environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did uh did he have a choice of where he
1: might go no, to? <laughs> no. No. My wife will tell you that that is the only argument she ever got into with my father. Oh, wow. And it was like it happened the night we went to my parents' house and told them that Lisa was pregnant with Jacob. <laughs> she 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 had taken the, we had taken the ultrasound and put it in a little box. Okay. And um, I think we had found out right around my mom's birthday. So we did it as Mm. like a, you know, an additional birthday gift. Sure. And they were, you know, happy and all. And immediately my dad's like, all right, so if he's going to be born in 2004, then I think summer of 2011, you're good. (laughs) You know? And my wife's like, well, he won't even be seven. Like, he'll be six and a half. (laughs) And he's like... We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll give you till the next year. And Lisa was like, and she you know, she had been to Overnight Camp but didn't have the greatest experience. She's from Louisville and sure. And she was like, I, I can we just wait and see? And my dad's like, No. This is like this is not <laughs> nego- this is not negotiable. And they kinda go back and forth a little bit. And Lisa says to this day, like, I've never I've never had your dad kind of be like seem somewhat angry with me yeah. about my thoughts about it, but that was like that's funny. That was a big thing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, did he get? A, did Nitty get a camp call? Did Nitty get a camp call? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, not that he needed one, but you know. No, he didn't. I For mean, those of you did. listening,
0: Nitty Light is the son of Stuart Nitskin.
1: Yes. <laughs> Famous. Um, it, well, his first summer was my first summer back. Right. So it was kind of a. Uh, I actually think Lisa would have fought me more on sending him if I wasn't going to be there. She probably would have waited mm. one more year because he went when he was 8. Okay. And I think she would have ideally waited one more year. She yeah. thought um so he kind of w- like we were kind of rookies together, which was kind of a unique experience too because yeah. I had had this huge gap, this huge layoff, you should say, and kind of got back into the camp mix. I didn't really know what the summer was going to entail for me. It was kind of like a Come live here, you'll see how it goes. You can help in these areas and right. we'll see what happens and very undefined and <laughs> right. you know, you're that removed. I've I missed like a whole couple of generations of kids. So yeah, the people that I knew there was minimal. I right. mean, even you, you you came after my time. Yeah, absolutely. I'd met you from visiting, I'd met J D from visiting over the years, but right. uh I mean I knew Tamir. I knew knew Glenn, Glenn's first year was, I was on staff. Those two, maybe Al, maybe, although he might've come back. He didn't come, but I knew him from coming up Yeah, and my dad knew him and, you know, so I, and I'd come up a few times after I was done with the old timers. Sure. Those trips were amazing. You know, to be a young kid coming with those guys and staying at camp was, (laughs) was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, so I didn't really know a lot of people Hmm. and, uh. So it was, a, it was, it was an interesting year. And at the same time, I'm like freaking out about my kid who I, I hope that he likes it. He's not super outgoing. Uh, he doesn't know anyone. Right. And so it was uh it was an interesting year and, but he hasn't looked back since that year. He's, he had one moment when he, we, that first year we had a, an arrangement where I said, listen, I'm not going to like invade your space. I want you to have your own experience, but you know, during snack time, grab your snack and come into my room, and we'll just catch up. Just, just pop in if you want to do something. Fine, but just pop in and tell me how you're doing. Nice. And one time he, and a lot of times I'd have to like be like, "Hey, blow <laughs> me off today.
0: <laughs> Where's my snack time?" He's like, I, go. "I gotta
1: go tubing," you know. <laughs> and uh, one time he was waiting for me in there, and I could kind of tell he was a little. I'm like, Are "You okay?" He's like, "Yeah." And I'm like. Looked like he was about to. He was like really choked up, and I'm like, "You feeling a little homesick?" Which is, I never really thought he would feel. I was here, and sure. he's like, "Yeah." And he's getting a little choked up, and I'm like, "Do you miss mom?" He's like, "Nah." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, that's it's okay." I'm like, "What do you you miss? What your bed? He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "It's okay, buddy. It'll be. It'll get better." Nice. And I he never heard anything from him since he had that like little moment of. Hmm feeling a little sad, and then now he'd go 12 months a year <laughs> if he had a choice.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, before we get too much into that world and you being there in the new capacity, let's go yeah. back um, to your staff years. Yeah. So you you go through your camper years, you come back, and you're now a junior counselor. Yes. And uh, do you like the change? Do you like the, the new – Sort of spot you're in, the responsibilities that go with that. The
1: yeah, I mean, there's it's definitely it's a crazy transition going from like living in a country club in cabin 14, right, and basically having your run of the land, which is amazing, mm-hmm. and then going to be at the bottom of the staff ladder where you're, and it doesn't matter what level of staff you're, it's it's a hard job. Yeah, I mean, you're working absolutely. a lot, uh, but I loved it. I just loved being up there, and I had great kids my first year and. Um, I just loved every, I I loved everything about that. That was the the summer that Paul died Mm. and that was like a little, uh, eerie and sure, you know, just weird, weird vibe. I mean, that just, it was a very, like, uh, one of those things where you're just so shocked that it's like spooky. It's like very rattled as they would say now.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's what it's, it, it is statistically improbable that we have had as few deaths at camp as we have. And one was an accident and then this other. And and I mean, even just the fact that this is where just Paul died. Like he, nothing happened here that made him die. He just, this is where yeah. his life came to an end, but that we haven't had 20 guys do that. Right. <laughs> in 88 years is a little, you know, mind blowing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, I remember going to the pay phones cause I was no cell phones and stuff mm-hmm. and calling my dad and just, crying my eyes out to him that Paul had passed. I mean, I just, I remember that so vividly. I remember, I remember calling my parents twice from those pay phones, like very emotional. One was when Paul died and then one was when I won the week. Nice. That was, wow. Yeah. So it's freaky. Yeah. That was a freaky time. But um, it was also kind of, you know, Denny had, done an unbelievable job of kind of building camp back up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so it was at a really strong place. The, the group a year younger than me was ex- very strong athletically, and they were a tight group and a big group that had stayed together. Mm. Um, Who are some of those guys? Josh Woolreich, Jeff Kaplan, Josh Balinick, Corey Fox, Ryan Fox, Stu Cairo, Joey Blyman, Adam Karlov. Nice. You know, those and there was mo- uh, more that I'm leaving out, not on purpose, but uh, I did love and I'm still really good friends with those. Like I, a lot of my group kind of fell off, you know, after 14, not a lot of them came back as counselors. And then gotcha. by the time we were senior counselors, there was almost nobody. Um, so those guys were like my group. They were my friends at camp. They were like the crew I hung with and uh it's it's really nice to see now at camp that there's a lot of groups that are like that. Yeah. That are deep, athletic, that are kind of coming up together and staying together and that's that gives me a lot of like excitement for the future cuz yeah, we sure. have some of those middle-aged groups that are look like they're going to stay strong and stay together for a lot of years and I think that's that people should be really excited about camp moving forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, so you you waited tables. Does that end in your era?
1: No, I waited You're tables my second of years them? of JC. I was the head JC. Oh, very nice. Which it's different now, but the best part of the head JC was making the wait schedule. Oh, nice. Because I didn't wait that much when I was <laughs> second year JC. Well, like I said, that group below me was huge, so I had a lot of waiters. Sure. Um, it was awesome. I loved waiting. Were we still I,
0: waiting every meal? At that point, we were not waiting, starting to back off. He
1: was starting to back off on the breakfasts Mm. everything else was waited. And I loved it. It was the aisle down the middle. Yeah. And I enjoyed waiting. There was, um, it was, it was somewhat competitive. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was like, (laughs) sure. Am I going to get an easy table? Mm -hmm. Which a was like, you know, the guys that had, if guys were nice to me when I was making the schedule, they got favorable assignments. Sure. I was course. I was very good friends with the head waiter when I was a first year waiter. <laughs> and uh, so I got favorable stuff and you know, I liked being the milkman sometimes cuz it was a challenge and it was fun and I liked, you know, trying to get in and out quickly but still be, you know, not rushing people through but getting your table clean and getting things stacked and ready to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I I loved it. It was fun. It was fun. (laughs) You know, getting your position in line. Oh, right. That's the key to everything. Oh, yeah. Wherever you're spotted. I mean, that's going to deal your whole meal. You got your food out earlier. You got louder yay, rah, rahs. Absolutely. You you know, I was a very accommodating waiter. If someone, you know, I need to, can I get a little extra Barbie sauce? No problem. I'll take it from somewhere else. (laughs) There was the challenge of, I'm going to leave these. 10 plates on this guy's table and see if he notices or sure. you know there's a lot of little like <laughs> underground stuff going on there that they don't they don't get now because they're just right. you know there are a couple of meals a week and they're trying to get through it, and I get it yeah I think it is cool I think it's cool coming
0: back though I, I wasn't hundred percent on board uh, when Denny was first talking about bringing back more weighted meals um, but the more we talked about it and the more it became a reality and then seeing these guys kind of start to get into it yeah. over the course of the year I think it's a good thing.
1: I think it's great. I think the uh, when you get the JCs fired up at the beginning of the meal, and then they're getting some cheers going. And I know sometimes it feels like it's just in one cheer after the next cheer after the next cheer, but the energy level is so high when that's going on. Yeah, and it's for like sure. It, you have, it's, you're fired up. Absolutely. I mean, Even if you're just sitting there quietly yeah.
0: in the corner, like it's
1: just blows. There's the nothing roof off. better than an, than an energetic dinner meal where everyone's cheering and, and having a good time in there. And then you roll out onto the campus, which to my favorite part of the day, that kind of after dinner, half hour yep. of, of the sun setting. And some guys hitting softballs, some guys just hanging out. And it's not too hot and it's not cold. And it's just, that's a perfect time. Your energy is high. You're feeling great. Uh, that's, I love that. It's nothing better than that. Uh, rolling forward, you become an SC. Yes, I became an SC. Um, That was, I had an SC of a younger group of kids and uh, it was, uh, it was, I loved it. I loved every second of being a counselor and being a collegiate coach and being a Spartan general. I don't think I ever won as a Spartan general. (laughs) Caught a rough year of Trojan strength, uh, rough few years. Tough to win as a Spartan general. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is, but nonetheless, it was, you know, kind of going through the ranks and then having the privilege of doing those things. Yeah. I was never, ever an Olympics coach because oh, it was di- done differently back then. So the Olympics started when I was in the tail end of my camper. Years. I was going to say,
0: it's like 96, I think is the first 95, um, 96. Or, I thought it oh, was no, earlier. Maybe you're right. No, it's early nineties. Oh,
1: you know, I think it's 93. I think you're right. It's I think 93, 93 sorry, which was my first year on staff. And I think they did the coaches back then that if you were going to be an Olympic, uh, if you were going to be a collegiate coach, which was pretty much, it was better defined back then. There wasn't, I and mean, now it's, if you tell guys about the 11-year hat and all the stuff we have, they'll, it'll blow their mind right. because you scratching and clawing for eligible Absolutely. people back then. Absolutely, And so if you were going to be a collegiate coach, which you knew, you were not going to be an Olympic coach.
0: Mm.
1: And even if, uh, and if they thought you were going to be an assistant coach, you wouldn't even be oh, in the Olympics. So if like... So sort of spread the wealth a little bit more. Yeah. It was get more guys involved, uh, maybe get some of the international guys involved, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the new guys that w- will never have that chance to coach the week or might never have that chance. Right. So I never, ever participated in the, I, I I never participated in the Olympics. I want to say I never did. I was always like an official. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. I mean, that was just how it was. Right. Um, But being a collegiate coach was was grueling and fun, and um, it was great. And you know what? My first year on staff, I was not a coach of of Collegiate Week because I was going to be a senior in high school, and I had this leadership program that was like a a challenging program to get into at my high school. They only took Mm. like, and I got in, but part of it is you had to be home for this week of training. So I was going to be leaving camp like three days early, mm. so I was ineligible. Yeah. So I remember I was the head of JV floor hockey. Oh. Which was a huge pain in the butt at the time. I'm sure. <laughs> there was no rink, and the games were played on the lake court. Oh. And you had to carry all the sticks out there every time. Sure.
0: Pucks are flying all over the
1: place. All over the place. Long court. It's brutal. It's brutal.
0: Uh, Now, speaking of Collegiate Week, though, you will go on to have a fairly legendary Collegiate Week story.
1: Yes. Which I
0: I would love to have forever on tape right here on the Campo Gimbal History Podcast. Okay, there we go. Stu Nitskin, another one in the books. You're going to have to wait for that fantastic Collegiate Week story for a few more days. Don't forget part two of this episode coming out later this week should show up in your audio inbox by Thursday. If you want to get in touch with the Camp Ojibwa History Project, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher ChristopherCampOJibwaHistory.org, or just visit the old website, www.CampOJibwaHistory.org. As I mentioned in the open, the tour continues. I'm still traveling around the country, still getting interviews with guys far and wide. Over the next week, I'll be heading back across to the East Coast. So if you know anyone who lives in that area, anyone in the uh, New England area, Boston, uh, New York City that might want to get interviewed or should get interviewed, drop me a line. Let me know. Let me get in touch with them. I've already had a bunch of guys reach out. The number has grown immensely. I've gotten a ton of interviews on this trip, and it's been awesome. Okay, that's enough about that. I'm in Wisconsin. It's time to go out to the backyard, have a cigar.